kind of night. Kim Mulkey, in year two, has orchestrated a turnaround for the ages. LSU has captured its very first Kim Mulkey has cemented her status as one of the all-time great women's basketball coaches, and Angel Reese has cemented her status as one of the game's best players. LSU are national champions. This is Doug Greenberg filling in for Owen Poindexter. It's Monday, April 3rd, and you're listening to Front Office Sports Today. MLB opening day is in the rearview mirror, and it's truly going to be one of the most unique baseball seasons we have ever seen. Um, as most people know, there have been a bunch of significant rule changes this year, most notably uh, with the pitch clock. On opening day, we got to see you know the rubber meeting the road with the pitch clock finally being implemented at the major league level. And we started off with 14 violations across all 15 games. Not too bad. One one per game, a little less than one per game. Players seem to be getting used to it. The first violation in MLB history will go to the Cubs' Marcus Stroman, who committed a violation during the Cubs game against the Brewers. We've got a uh, pitch clock violation on Marcus. There you go. First one of the year. I wonder how many... The first strikeout as a result of a violation will go to, much to my chagrin as a Red Sox fan, the Red Sox Raphael Devers, who stepped out of the box to tap his cleats and let the pitch clock run out. Wow, a violation. He is out at oh, home. God. That is strike three. Oh. How about that? We also had some weird, interesting little uh, intricacies as we got into the violations, Max Scherzer actually got away with a violation while he was pitching. He was he let the clock basically run down to zero. The player who was at the plate was trying to say, hey, ball, ball, like it should be an automatic violation. But the umpire thought he was calling for a timeout. So Scherzer got away with the one. He ended up getting the out on that at bat. Scherzer has been on record saying he is not the biggest fan of the pitch clock. But you know what? I think fans are going to be hugely into the pitch clock. Um, The average game time of all the games on opening day was two hours and 45 minutes. In general, games during the preseason were somewhere between 20 minutes and a half hour shorter than they've been in years past. Um, and, And for people who have been watching the product on opening day and through the weekend, you'll see that everything is a lot brisker. Everything, there's a lot less downtime. The pitchers are just moving, you know, you you watch, there's not all of this play in between with players having to, you know, settle themselves. And, And I think it's great for the game. One development from Major League Baseball that was introduced last year was Pitchcom, which has actually sped up the process of relaying signals between the pitchers and catchers using a system uh, usually placed on the catcher's wrist to relay uh, pitch calls to the pitcher. Um, It worked great for the most part, but of course, on opening day, we had Rob Manfred was actually in the booth when Jacob deGrom's Pitchcom system ran out of batteries in his hat. Um, And this is ironically while Rob Manfred was talking about how all the rule changes have been benefiting the game. Take a listen. It's about delivering for our fans what our research says they wanted to see. Brisker, athleticism, more action, and, um, you know, let's hope the rules 
do that for us. Uh, Rob, you're needed down on the field to change the battery in somebody's pitch com. Yeah. So the pitch com... Speaking of pitch com, Shohei Otani actually broke barriers once again, and he actually used it as a pitcher, not as a catcher, to call his own game. It was on the way to a masterful 10-strikeout, two-hit outing across six scoreless innings. If that sounds impressive, it really is, because Shohei Otani's outing, this is courtesy of Sarah Langs from MLB, Shohei Otani's outing was the 26th since at least 1901 with 10-plus strikeouts and no runs allowed on opening day. That's only the 26th one of all time. But guess what? The Los Angeles Angels did not win this game against the Oakland A's. They ended up losing 2-1. to one. They gave up two runs. Uh, blew a perfectly great opportunity for a win for Otani. The reason we're bringing up Shohei Otani is because he's going to be the biggest story this year. He he will be, there's very little chance that Otani is going to stick around, um, especially with someone who values winning as much as he does, as was really, really evident during the World Baseball Classic. Otani is due to get potentially the largest salary in MLB history, I would imagine, possibly going to be the first $500 million player. It could even be more, um, especially with the way the New York Mets spend. But this season, Otani, you know, if you need any more proof, Otani's playing on a $30 million record arbitration salary. It is the most money that any player has ever played, you know, when they are eligible for arbitration. $30 million. Anyway, after the break, Owen Poindexter speaks with Sodexo Live CEO Belinda Oakley about the logistics of feeding thousands of fans at major sporting events every day. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Here's what's trending now. You can defer payments of a full NetSuite implementation for six months. 33,000 companies have already upgraded to NetSuite, gaining visibility and control over their financials, inventory, HR, e-commerce, and more. Everything they need to reduce manual processes, boost efficiency, build forecasts, and increase productivity. Whether your business generates millions or hundreds of millions of dollars, take advantage of this special financing offer of no payments or interest for six months at netsuite.com frontoffice. That's netsuite.com slash front office. All right. I am joined now by Belinda Oakley. She is the CEO of Sodexo Live North America. Welcome, Belinda. Thank you, Owen. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Just to get us started, what is Sodexo Live? What do you guys do? Well, we do a lot of uh, a, a lot of cool stuff, I have to say. I mean, we're, of course, a little bit biased, but we get to be a part of some pretty incredible hospitality events um, across everything from sporting venues, major events across the world, cultural destinations um, and convention centers from uh, the farthest reaches of, of, of our business here in North America to uh, across the world. Uh, we're going to be doing the Paris Olympics next year. Um, and obviously right here in North America, we have uh, quite a few fun events coming up, including F1 in, in May. So we get to, to really be sort of the hospitality behind a fan experience for 150 partners in, in North America, which is, is quite a privilege. Right. And essentially, if you know, you're going to a baseball game, the F1 race, the Olympics, you expect there to be food. You expect there to be food options. You expect it to be, you know, reasonably tasty. And that's just 
an assumption it feels like you know a crime against humanity if you if you can't get lunch at a game <laughs> but that's that's you guys right that's your whole right exactly you've been working with the Seattle Mariners since 1999 as I understand uh, but you've got uh, some new stuff coming out so talk to us about what that is and just what it means to prepare for you know 81 home games with however many tens of thousands of hungry fans in each one. Yeah, look, I think I think every season uh, feels like a new season in many ways because you have to be constantly reinventing the experience. But this year for the Mariners in particular, with not only coming off a great season last year, but also hosting the All Star Game this year, it's a it's a special season. And I, and I think we do like to think that every season is is unique and different. But I I think as Katie Griggs shared uh, when I met with her recently, this is the year in which all the chips are going in the center of the table, uh, from new clubs being open to, uh, for us, we are actually quadrupling the number of um, Amazon Just Walk Off stores that we have to really drive a faster throughput and a, a better fan experience to make sure you can still enjoy all those things that you love about going to the ballpark, but be back in your seat for, for the game. Um, we've got new concepts being opened. And of course, Every year, it, it's uh, you, you have to you have to go from you know December, January, February where you you might go to to fifty. So let's say it's fifty employees uh, at our at our, our ballpark in those months, and and we balloon out to seven hundred right now. So you know, getting ready for for the season is really it's a team sport, and I think it it takes uh, all those big decisions like what concepts you're going to have, how are you going to keep elevating the fan experience through to all those. Um, maybe less tangible decisions, but most impactful, which is how are you going to train 700 people to make sure that the fan experience from the first game to the last is, is one that is memorable enough to want to come back season after season, game after game. How do you approach innovation in, you know, ballpark food concessions where, you know, some percentage of the people, they, they want a hot dog and a beer. Like they, they don't want anything complicated or fancy. They want the, the most normal thing you can imagine. But also you're trying to bring in new new ideas and, you know, have fun with it and and make it a nice experience and provide some options. How do you balance all that? I think it's such a great question because there is, um, I think in some cases, people almost get beyond their fans. And, and there is something about the down-home traditional favorites that have to be in as many locations as possible. Um, and I think we, we take that responsibility really seriously. And, and you'll see it in, in silly examples, but you're going to find chicken tenders all the way around the ballpark, no matter where you are, because that might be key to someone's experience as a sort of, I want to be comf I want to feel comfortable. I want to feel like I can have the same experience that I had with my dad when I went 20 years ago. Um, so I think having those down home favorites is so important, but you can take a fan favorite and then just evolve it to your point about innovation um, by adding, you know, a, a local flavor or a more modern touch. A great example of that right now is our um, in-house burger, the big league burger, which which is a, a great burger, but it's locally sourced Wagyu beef patty um, that's fresh and not frozen. So we take something like a favorite burger, but why shouldn't it be the best burger that you've ever had? You know, I think that level of innovation is um, is where we like to play. We like we love starting with the fan favorite and then finding a way to um, either elevate it or innovate um, using more locally sourced ingredients to to just keep it interesting, keep it familiar but interesting. I think is a really nice um, governing 
starting point. But we're also super lucky um, with the Mariners and with the partnership that we've enjoyed that it's a real team effort innovation. And it starts with what are we hearing from fans? Um, but it is, you know, again, it's a, it's a matter of partnering with our team, partnering with our, our partners um, to really take, take an idea um, and take it to the furthest reaches of our own imagination and then and test it through the fans. And that's, that's why you do see change and evolution in the ballpark every year because it might be new this season, but next, next season it's going to be old. So how, how do we keep transforming spaces? Uh, we have baseball's first all emoji stand uh, opening this year for us. And again, that's a great example of one that was really created by our team and our Mariners partners, um, knowing that, you know, the, the best ideas often come from, from the ground. And so really empowering our teams to keep that entrepreneurial spirit and uh, localize those, those innovations. The thought of feeding 30 to 50,000 people in a, you know, whatever, three hour period um, is one of those things where it's like building a skyscraper where it's like, I know it can be done, but it's, it's kind of daunting and a little terrifying to think about. What's the most challenging part of that logistical task? Look, it's funny. It's, it really does require an act of disassociation to a degree because you you have to you have to prepare for that level of volume. But then once the gates open, you you have to sort of uh, you have to have a lot of trust and a lot of faith that um, inevitably something's going to go wrong in every experience in every game. We're going to have a lesson. Um, and our aim is just always to be better the next day. But I tell you what, I mean, in, in preparing for that, you, you can't prepare for it overnight. I mean, we sort of, we, we joke that there is no off season because, um, you know, as soon as, as soon as we're technically done for the year, we, we are in full planning mode. Um, and, and it's, it's really a, again, it's about the team. We're very fortunate. We have a, um, Megan Murray in our general manager position has been been with the Mariners for a decade. So that kind of level of commitment and tenure makes a huge difference. But we also do some really unique things with with our staff because we have 700 people who need to come back and on opening day have it feel like we've been doing this for for 20 games in a row. It's it's got to feel like this isn't this isn't dusting off cobwebs. So we actually we do some really cool training. Um, uh, uh, sessions to sort of prep our team. We have, we have, it's almost like bingo. It's, we call it, uh, walk the bases where we divide our 700 people up over two days and they essentially walk around the stadium and, and collect a bingo card full of experiences from pouring draft beer to wrapping a hot dog to, um, operating a stand. They have to collect these training experiences to really refresh. And that doesn't matter if you've been with us a year, if you've been with us. 20 years. Everybody gets the same 101 retraining from the start. Um, and at the end of it as a reward for sort of collecting those experiences, they actually get to walk the bases. And for, for, for so many people, the idea of touching foot on the field in the ballpark is, is just this, you know, it's a, it's a lifetime achievement that will never be forgotten. So we make sure to really, you know, not assume anyone is ready and always start from the very beginning um, with our teams before every season. And, and then I do think to your point about building a skyscraper, you, you do have to, 
you know, you have to, you have to focus on progress over perfection because as much as we might be prepping for months and months before opening day, the reality is there's plenty of things that are being figured out in the 11th hour. You know, you don't know that an ice machine has frozen up over the winter until you go to turn it on. Um, and then you're, you're figuring out solutions. So really having that progress over perfection mindset and then having faith that whatever happens on game day we are going to have great people who are committed to pivoting for the fan experience and whatever isn't great on that day is going to be fantastic um, at the next game because we're going to learn from it and before we go here um baseball is introducing a pitch clock no longer will you be able to make a food run and just miss one at bat uh how is the accelerated pace of the game how do you expect that to impact what you do well i think it's actually pushing us in really great ways as an industry because you know our aim is that you do make it back you know it is i think that is why we have expanded we, we learned a lot from our amazon um, just walk off implementation at the mariners last year i mean we saw a huge uh, increase in not only um, the number of transactions we were able to process i mean i think we were up 110 percent on transactions um, but we also saw 150% spike in, in revenue through that location because fans not only are able to get back to their seat quicker, but they go a second time or a third time or a fourth time because they can act, they know they can get back with confidence and not miss the game. So we've actually added another three locations this year to, to make sure that we're providing more opportunities, um, in, in multiple locations. So we have, we have one at first base, one at third base, uh, one in the outfield and one at the 300 level because we're going to need to do more of that. The industry is going to need to do more of that to, to keep up with the impact of the pitch clock. Um, and then I think it's making really good decisions about things like what you menu and where. This is such a the, – the pitch clock is scary on the one hand to the industry because it does mean potentially um, less transactions. It, it potentially um, scares people about, you know, fan satisfaction, as you say, because you don't want to miss the game. But this is such a good thing for the industry. This is betting on the next generation of fans for baseball. This is This is good for the sport. So, you know, now the onus is on us as hospitality experts to figure out the next – breakthrough in in line time because whoever wants to be standing in the line you know everybody wants to be able to to enjoy the best of both worlds worlds have an amazing uh fan experience in the hospitality of the day and, and really have that the reason people go to the ballpark um while not missing the game so especially when you're at a team like the mariners um we are really fortunate to hopefully be able to demonstrate this year that uh, you can have the best of both worlds and, and really have an exceptional fan experience thanks to our hospitality. Very interesting to get this behind-the-scenes look at something that's a very familiar experience. Belinda Oakley, thanks so much for joining us on the show. Thank you, Owen. That's all we have for today. I'll be back tomorrow filling in for Owen one more time. Enjoy the Men's National Championship game tonight, and we will see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.